Welcome to the thesis, Dr. Dudley. First, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to participate in the second season of my podcast. And I am so blessed to be able to say that before we even started this conversation, you, as you normally do, provided your input, your encouragement, your support regarding this podcast. You are one of the brothers that I talk to because not only are you Dr. Dudley, you're my fraternity brother, but you're one of my brothers that I talked to. And I said, hey, think about doing a podcast, think about having a conversation about a number of things. And it seems like from day one, you've been extremely supportive, but not only supportive as a listener and providing your input, but now you're actually on the show. And I have been so encouraged by so many things that so many conversations that we've had offline. I know this conversation will be amazing. With that being stated, the topic of today is talking about community colleges. I have a special place in my heart regarding community colleges. I hope that our listeners will conclude this chapter feeling enriched, gain some understanding, and possibly utilize the information shared in this chapter. We have so much to unwrap, brother, in this, in this discussion. And I'm anxious to hear your input. And stating this, let's jump right into the conversation. For our listeners, please provide your educational background and your professional experience. Let's start there first, bro. All right. Again, thank you for inviting me to be a guest on the Thesis Podcast. Again, not only am I a guest, but I'm a listener and a follower and always enlightened by your very challenging and forward-thinking and transparent conversations that I think this generation, particularly this generation of men, uh, and particularly men of color, and to drill down even more, Black men, BIPOC, African-American, Black, however you want to categorize yourself, men of color, Black men need to have conversations with each other. And so I'm Delighted to be a guest, and I look forward to this since you invited me. And I'll make, I'll try to make my educational bio brief because it is long and it is varied, but it is, has been purposeful. And when I say purposeful, I have followed opportunity and followed what I feel were the signs of career direction as was presented to me and as I observed while I was in high school to undergrad to graduate school and beyond. And so I, I challenge all listeners and particularly young people when I speak to don't just think about what your gifts are. Think about what the labor landscape is calling for and in need of and how you can fit yourself like a puzzle into what is in demand. And what will not only be your passion, but also be your payday. I'm hearing a lot of young people, and again, I'll get to my my bio in a minute, but I'm hearing so many young people, so many uh, people who are, my passion, my gift is X, Y, Z. I was born to do ABC. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, as it says, I think in the Bible, uh, your gifts will make room for you. So if you follow your passion and your purpose, I tend to think you would never have to uh, find your job or find employment. It will find you. Now, the the nexus is 
Will that give you a sustained way of life? Everybody has their own barometer as to what is necessary as far as uh, an income. When I was in my 20s, I needed X. When I was in my 30s, I needed B. When I was in my 40s, so on and so on. So each decade of your life requires, you know, a different, um, a different level of income. And as responsibilities come, you have to wage that and compare that to where you are. And so when I was in high school, all I knew is that I wanted to help individuals. And I had a talent for that. I had a gift for that. I had a gift for learning. And that was my passion to assist others. What road I would take, I was not sure. So I landed on psychology as my major um, in, in college. And I got my my BS in human development and family studies with a minor in psychology because human development and family studies at UNC Greensboro was a better fit for me. Not only did it prepare me for a career, it helped me hone my helping skills. It was broader. It included an internship, whereas psychology as a major did not. Psychology was about theory. Human development and family studies was about application. So I chose to go down that path, made that switch my sophomore year. So human development and family studies with psychology as a minor from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And at that time, UNC Greensboro was the number two or number one ranked counseling program in the country, uh, just under the University of Maryland at that time. So they would vacillate between number one and two. So it was just divine that I ended up going to an undergraduate school that I felt like increased my chances of being accepted into the number one, number two counseling program in the country to further help me hone my skills of career development, uh, counseling and community and agency counseling. So I applied, got admitted and was on my way to be a gerontological counselor because my focus in undergrad was was adult and aging. I was fortunate and blessed enough to be raised and, re and reared with two great grandmothers, uh, a set of grandparents, uh, always had a, a love for the, 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 the older uh, members, sisters and fathers, um, brothers and deacons in my church. And so those mothers in the church, those deacons in the church always you know, just had a love for. And so I had a particular knack for assisting older adults. So I combined my need for helping individuals with what at that time was a growing population of senior adults. In the 1990s, individuals were living longer. And because they were living longer, the lifespan was upwards of 75, upwards into 80. And with that came life adjustment issues, uh, depression, uh, dealing with health issues. So I said, okay, I think I will always be able to find a job. So I distilled my skill for helping into a, a, a career or a, a trade, if you will, into gerontology, specializing in helping senior adults with adjustment issues in nursing homes and retirement centers um, in, in counseling centers. And I instantly found a job because this population was growing and not many people even knew what the term gerontology meant. So I said, okay, 
I was always about being able to find employment, as you can hear. You know, it's, again, it's one thing to have a passion. It's another to have a paycheck. And so I said, if this is the growing demographic, I'm going to be one of those individuals, male individuals, men of color individuals who specializes in working with senior adults. And I did that. Got a master's degree, MS degree in counseling and uh, community and agency counseling. And then I got an educational specialist degree, which was novel at the time in gerontology. So here I go around age 23 with three degrees, undergrad in human development, family studies, master's in counseling and uh, community and agency counseling and an EDS degree, specialist degree, which is right in between a master's and a doctorate degree. You're taking doctoral classes and, it was, and I had a specialization in gerontology and I hit the road. And in my last year of grad school, as I closed this segment, um, my grandmother, whom I did not know, did not have a high school uh, diploma, who had dropped out of high school, had had a success, successful career because you really didn't need a high school diploma at that time to raise a family, to get a job. She and my grandfather uh, raised 11 children. But one thing, one thing on her bucket list was to complete her high school education. And I heard about this because she asked to borrow my high school cap and gown. And I said, well, where is she getting this? And um, my mother told me she got this at the local community college, that they had a GED program for individuals to complete a high school diploma. Hadn't really paid attention to a community college. And so with two or three years of community and agency counseling, counseling in detention centers, correctional centers, youth camps, um, halfway houses, substance abuse programs. I did a lot. I packed it in because as a single young degreed person, I knew that having professional experiences was going to launch me. And I said, there's something about this community college thing. It's like the hybrid of higher education, but also helping. And so I made a couple of phone calls and I just knew and felt in my soul that the community college had something for me, which landed my first community college job as a recruiter uh, at Wayne Community College in the town of my rearing, Goldsboro, North Carolina, and got my first job and um, learned under a fraternity brother, coincidentally, Mr. Jimmy Ford, who was the vice president of workforce. And you'll see where this story arc is going. My first job was under the vice president of workforce and continuing education in the community college system. Today, I am the vice president of workforce and continuing education at a community college. And so when I say when you follow your path and your purpose, you will land where you're supposed to go. I didn't know what the community college was. I just knew that my heart was calling me there. My spirit was calling me there. I started, of course, not making a whole lot, but was making enough. And within a year, began teaching. And after another year or so, was a department chair, a coordinator, I should say. Then after that, a department chair. Then after that, a division dean. Then after that, a campus dean and now VP. And in between that time, I completed my doctorate uh, degree, PhD in leadership studies at North Carolina A&T. 
uh, with a concentration in higher education. So that's the skinny of it, as they say. And I know for some of our listeners that are also Aggies, they yelled out loud or on the inside, (laughs) Aggie pride. So, but brother, I appreciate you giving us your educational resume. And one thing that I've received in regards to feedback from season one is, wow, you have all these degreed individuals on your show. And I said to that particular person, I said, you know what? We need to have these shows where people can hear the about the academic success and beyond that, because sometimes you don't know where you want to go academically beyond high school. So I always try to give people an opportunity to put out there the goals that they set and achieved in whatever time it took them to do so. But the fact that you started at a university level, I want to transition to another question, kind of building off of your love for community college. What drives your passion for community college education? Community college education and institutions are without a doubt the fabric of our country and that individuals who need training education, or even want to explore um, a hobby, an interest, can find that at a community college at an affordable cost that is convenient, that is cutting edge, and that is on the cusp of what is emerging and what is needed. It is an open door institution, and by that, we mean that there's something at a community college for everyone. So like a university, you have to apply, you have to have certain criteria, you have to meet certain criteria, you know, you have to maybe even take a, a test to be admitted. A community college is an open door institution and that it just means that you can apply and you can we can find something for you at, at a community college institution. So just the fact that not only is it an institution of a second chance, but a first choice. And that's the identity crisis that we find ourselves in now uh, throughout the country where individuals see the community college as your last option. Okay. As your last chance. Okay. I understand that. I get that. I'm glad that there are individuals who can find their way in their path at a community college. We pride ourselves on giving individuals that boost that confidence, that assistance, that direction. But we are an institution, a first choice institution now. And I, and I say that without hesitancy and with pride because individuals who attend a community college are top level, top rank, intellectually savvy, uh, career bound individuals. So we're not just the institution of your lost, if you will. We're an institution of those who have a direction. And I I wanted to be a part of that. That's why I've committed 25 years to community college education. And this is my third community college because we have something for everyone. And we have something that I think is needed in this country. And a lot of people don't know, which I'll talk about later on in this podcast, that not only do we help individuals, we have we help companies and corporations be successful by the way of customized training and business and industry training. 
We have small business centers to help entrepreneurs and assist entrepreneurs with many times free, uh, but also low cost uh, training and information to assist them in building their business. And we also are a transitional institution where an, an individual that wants to transfer to the, the university can take their general education courses and, of course, get a degree and do the two plus two model. They do two years with us, which is a smaller classroom, usually more intimate, uh, definitely cost effective um, and and gives an individual time to get acclimated to the college environment. And statistically, students that transfer from a community college to a university are more successful, have a higher GPA, have less debt, and are more career-directed as opposed to your individual that goes right into the university with more debt, sometimes changes their major two or three times. Um, We give an individual a chance to explore and also expand. So that's why I'm committed to this institution that is a model of not only second chance, but but first choice. Well, brother, I really appreciate you giving me that answer. Um, as I have told so many people in my life, I am a proponent and a supporter of the community college system. I did not go to college or a university right after high school. I had a different I made a different choice. Rather, I joined the military. Uh, at 17 years old, I knew that I needed some discipline amongst some other things that I wanted to try to figure out. And I said to myself, well, I know I'm probably not going to go to college immediately after high school. Let me focus on this military thing. This will put me in a position where I can get some money for college. And then when I'm disciplined enough, when it comes to education, I'll go back. Now, that time in between graduating high school and me actually going back to school was a lot longer than I wanted it to be. But the school that accepted me was Fayetteville Tech Community College in Fayetteville, North Carolina. They gave me a chance. It was it was a needed chance. And I talked about this in season one. It was it was the appointed time for me at that time. Uh, my my men, two of my mentors, one of the mentors and happens to also be one of our fraternity brothers, molded me, walked me through the process. I ended up working for the community college at that time. So I saw several different areas of the community college system. And I fell in love with the education system, working there as well as uh, attending that particular institution. The interesting thing that I have not gone into too much is I did exceptionally well at the community college and it was time for me to matriculate. It was time for me to graduate from school. And our frat brother said to me, he said, okay, so what are you going to do next? And I said, I'm going to go around the corner and I'm going to go. Literally, I said, I'm going to go around the corner and I'm going to go to Fayetteville State. And he said, you know, you're doing exceptionally well here. Now I'm paraphrasing, but he, you know, you're doing exceptionally well. Why don't you look into some other schools? And I was like, well, my mother graduated from Fayetteville State. You know, it's here. I know, you know, a lot of other people that graduated from Fayetteville State. Why not Fayetteville State? It's like, try some other schools. I went into a system where you you fill out one application. I can't think of the name of this system now. You probably be able to answer it easier for me. But there's a system that you can sign in, at least at that time, where you did one application. You applied to all of these different schools. Um, what's the name of that system, brother? 
Uh, I think it's called single sign up or single admit, something like that. It's changed names the last few years. Yeah. So, you know, it's a system that he, he walked me through. I filled out one application and he said, um, well, let's just wait it out. And I was like, okay, well, in the back of my mind, I was like, I know I'm going to get in favor state and I'll do exceptionally well over there. Well, here's a quick story about this, brother. I never, I don't think I've ever told you this. So I got something in the mail. The first response I got in the mail was from Harvard University. Never applied to a university before in this sense. Okay. So I didn't understand this process. It was one of those big envelopes. Okay. So anybody that's been to a university and have gotten accepted to a university before, you know, the difference between the letter size envelope and the acceptance envelope. (laughs) (laughs) So I had got one of those larger envelopes and I just sat it on my living room uh, table, my coffee table. And I said, I don't even want to open it. I did not want to deal with rejection at that time. Good brother. Okay. So I, I took it off the coffee table. I stuffed it in my book bag, went to school the next day, traversed through my classes that day. And then I went to mentoring later on that afternoon and I pulled the envelope out of my book bag and I sat it on our brother's desk. And I said, got this in the mail today or yesterday. And he said, Oh, okay. Picked it up. Say Harvard University. Hmm. That's an acceptance letter. And sat it back down on the tape. And I looked at it and I said, how do you, you know, what, can you read through envelopes, man? What the hell? You know? <laughs> right. right. And he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, well, if it was a denial letter, it would have come in a letter envelope. Right. It won't be this bigger envelope. And if you can get into Harvard University, you can get into any university. Oh, wow. So I said, Wow. So I opened it up. Naturally, the first letter is we have accepted your application. Wow. Case of Blew my mind. Blew my mind. Case of point. But I made the choice and I don't talk about this particular institution a lot on my podcast, uh, primarily because I don't necessarily have the acceptance for it to talk about it. But I'll say at this time, I ultimately chose my alma mater of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. They offered me a full ride scholarship to go there. And when I say full, I mean I did not have to pay for anything. And that was a blessing from God. You know, I don't mind talking about God on my show. You know, That's right. if, I get, if I get kicked off and you never hear it from my show again, right. at least I got the opportunity to talk about God. But God gave me an opportunity by way of a community college Amazing. to have gone to any great institution. I, I chose it. Chapel Hill. And the name of that program, I'm going to plug this program for, for our uh, for the people that may be listening to the show that are in the North Carolina area, there's a program in North Carolina called C-STEP. Not every community college has this program, but if you are attending community college, please look into a program called C-STEP. C-STEP is a program that gives you an opportunity. Like uh, Brother Dr. Dudley said, you take two years at the community college, you take your last two years at Chapel Hill. The director of that program is Miss Egbert, wonderful woman. As I traverse, brother, from that particular telling my little brief story and why I love the community college system. And we'll talk about how I got back to the community college system here in a moment. Right. What is workforce force development? Now, we briefly went into this last season with our fellow brother, Dr. Caldwell. But what is workforce development? Why is it important? to the post-secondary education 
of individuals. Thank you for your story. And as I said, case in point, we get first class students who are, who transfer and matriculate to first class institutions. We're not just the institution of those that are just making it, can barely make it. And again, we love that. That is a part of our identity and fabric. But we also attract individuals who can compete at the highest level of higher education, to your point, and to your example, and to your experience. So I appreciate you sharing that. And that's something we need to talk more about. And that's something that I talk about our students that transfer to Duke, our students that transfer to Carolina, our students that transfer to A&T and, and Morehouse and Spelman. We need to talk more about that. And that's fine. It's not an identity crisis. It is a point of pride that we accept all and support all. So this word, this W word, this workforce word that everybody's talking about, it's the buzzword of the last two or three years. It's something that I've always known about and talked about and worked within, but it's, it's trending now because economically, uh, we're at a touch point where not only companies are needing individuals who are trained and prepared, but individuals are looking for different experiences. They're looking for different careers. They're looking for training. They're looking for opportunities that don't necessarily require them to acquire a four-year degree or a master's degree and beyond. Contrary to my experience and background, today's worker doesn't require a, a, a four-year degree or a master's degree. Okay. What individuals are looking for now what companies are looking for now in a broader sense where you can make $50,000 or more are in spaces where you can get trained for 90 days or less. And this is what I tell individuals. Now you can make 50 K by investment of 90 days or less in today's labor market because individuals companies don't have time to wait for five, six years. And individuals, because of their uh, financial aspirations, professional aspirations, don't have the time to wait to get paid their their fifty, forty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars in with an investment of a college education institution, uh, four year institution that is going to be at least twenty thousand dollars a year. Most individuals are investing seventy thousand dollars or more for a four year degree at the university. So the math in today's economy doesn't make sense. So individuals have gotten wiser, they've gotten smarter, institutions have gotten wiser as the uh, tuition of a university, a Chapel Hill, a, a ECU, uh, a A&T has continued to, to rise and increase. Individuals have gotten smarter and said, and said I don't want to be in debt when I finish school. What can I do to get into a career quicker and cheaper and still be happy? And so workforce is trending because uh, we have several programs, particularly under my division, uh, GTCC, we are the Titans, that is our mascot. And we have the, the most in-demand 
careers just in my division. And I use the acronym transportation, information technology, trades, aviation, new and expanding careers, and safety and public health, the Titans. Easy to remember. And all those careers, you can make $40,000, plus by completing a certificate that will cost you $300 or less, sometimes $175 or less, in two weeks, two months, and definitely less than two years. Um, we have these areas where you can be an aviation aerospace mechanic, where you can be get your CDL license and, and drive uh, trucks over the road and make $60,000 a year or more with a two-month or uh, eight-week investment of time or 16-week investment of time with just over $1,000 of tuition uh, as far as what the course will cost. We have nurse aid. We have farm pharmaceutical technology. We have HVAC. Uh, we have information technology courses and cybersecurity. Uh, Amazon, um, Swift, um, uh, C plus. All of these things are in demand and these companies can't find these individuals fast enough, nor can they find enough. And so what also has injected just a new model for today's worker is the um, uh, coronavirus and the ability to work remote. So, of course, you can't drive a truck remote and you can't work on someone's uh, HVA system remotely, but you can work in cybersecurity remotely where you can live here and your job be in Utah your job being California and you get paid upwards of $60,000 a year or more with an investment of less, excuse me, less than $1,000 over the course of 90 days or sometimes, um, uh, sometimes half a semester. And so all of this is, has injected a major interest in what the community college has to offer because the university is not as nimble, it's not as cheap, and not as responsive. So when a company is coming to town, when we just had the announcement that Boom uh, Supersonic, the aerospace company, has decided to build their first plant in Greensboro, North Carolina, that's not by coincidence. The community college, GTCC, was at the table. Toyota, the Toyota Mega site, just made an announcement in December that they're building their electric battery plant on the border of Randolph County and Guilford County. And they came to the community college to say, can you train these individuals to work in our manufacturing plant? They came to the community college, the two community colleges, GTCC and Randolph Community College. And again, there's some higher uh, positions perhaps um, that these companies will, will look for. Maybe your accountant, but again, your accountant, can come from us. Okay. Your business office HR professional can come from us. All right. Your medical, excuse me, your receptionist comes from us. And true indeed, your individual working on the factory floor, which is not your grandfather's manufacturing center, 
It's not the dirty manufacturing plant. These are clean, sterile environments. Okay, almost like you will see in uh, Black the movie Black Panther with them um, producing uh, the richest for those the comic heads the richest material in Earth on Earth. Uh, if you remember how that plant looked, very sterile, uh, very modern, uh, advanced manufacturing. So we've put the A before manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, something new and something that's trending. So they came to us and both manufacturing plants will hire 1700 plus individuals. Okay. So your person that has a degree in megatronics, your person that has a degree in cybersecurity or some type of information technology, your person that has a degree in CNC machining coming from us, advanced manufacturing, your person, your person, your person. And so not only are we involved in a world, we're involved in the executive side of the house, but we're involved in the employer side of the house of these two major companies deciding to come to this area. That's something that we take a lot of pride in. So under workforce, Development, I tell individuals, I work with folks from their GED to them becoming a CEO. I'm on the bookend of both. So give me your GED and give me your future CEO. I take them both. Okay. I say, give me your truck driver today who will be your supply chain expert tomorrow. Give me your CNA or nurse aide today who will be your head nurse at Cone Hospital tomorrow. Okay, give me your farm tech today who will be your pharmacist master's level PhD tomorrow. Okay, give me your architectural designer today who will be your a construction company owner tomorrow. All right. So, uh, again, uh, a new world, a new way and a new method of training today's individual that's quicker, that's cheaper and is on the cusp of what is in demand for community. So we're very proud of what's happening, not only in Guilford County, but how community colleges, over 1,100 community colleges across the nation are impacting communities. And, and as I close, uh, GTCC alone has an economic impact of $1 billion on Guilford County. A lot of people don't know that. Increased earnings of GTCC graduates, just under uh, half a billion dollars, $616 million injection of earnings of GTCC graduates. The annual salary, average salary of a GTCC graduate is just under $40,000 a year, which is $10,000 more or $15,000 more than your high school graduate. Okay. And for every investment of a dollar that a Guilford County a resident makes in GTCC, our community college, you get back $3.60. So over 300% investment kickback of your investment of a dollar. So it's money well spent. So from your county commissioner uh, to your politician, to your school board, uh, to every fabric of society, everyone knows that a community college is what's keeping the city and the county together. Wow, brother. I mean, you should be a preacher for community colleges. Um, you said so much and I'm so glad that I listened. I have some other questions that 
I wanted to ask you, but you had answered so much in that last answer. I don't want to be redundant, but I do want to say this. This is my second opportunity to thank you because you kept talking about information technology. You came to me last year and you said, you know, Brother Bernie, didn't you say something about information technology or you want to go back to school? And I was like, yeah, I did, man. But I've been on the fence on whether I want to get my master's degree or X, Y, Z. And it was like, hmm. I think, and I'm paraphrasing, of course. Hey, you know, I think some, something just came up. I'm going to get back to you. And that opportunity that you gave, that you, that you mentioned to me after a couple weeks, I guess it, it needed to be developed, um, led me to a certification program, um, with Google, Google certification program. And I want to publicly thank you for changing my life. You know, it's been so many times in my life that alphas have been connected to drastic positive changes in my life. I am thankful to God for Alpha. There's a lot of things that, you know, and and as I traverse and continue to grow, yes, I finished that program. Now, that Google program was a little bit longer than the 90 days. I do want to, (laughs) right, right. I I do want to, you know, for our people that are listening that live in the Guilford um, County area and have access to Guilford Community College, that program was longer than the 90 days, but that's the choice that I made. And I'm making a choice to continue to educate myself in the information technology space where I am taking the uh, Amazon. So it's, it's so many avenues that you that you can go into. But I wanted to publicly thank you for that, because this is going to change my life economically. I want our listeners to do me a favor. Just do me a solid. Go to Google. Our favorite researcher right now, you know, we don't go to most people don't go to the library anymore. Go to Google and type in information technology salary. And you will see that in a lot of cases that these individuals who get certain certifications, you could type in information technology certifications. You will see that a lot of the certifications that my brother just mentioned can net you six figures in a lot of cases, late five figures. There's some people right now who have master's degrees, and I'm not counting their money, just giving hypothetical situations here, they have master's degrees in connection to a whole bunch of debt and may make $65,000, $70,000. I want our listeners to wrap their head around what you said, that you can change your life economically in a year, max. You can go to community college and change your life if you're willing to. Check this out, Brother Dudley. Entertain me for a moment here. If you're willing to go get your master's degree or your doctoral degree, that's going to take time too. So let's just, let's just talk about the easy stuff first. If you go and get your master's degree, that's going to take you a year plus, depending on what program you get accepted to. You go and get your doctoral degree. That's going to take you several years. You got to do research, defend, X, Y, Z. There's no guarantee what your economic success will be from a financial standpoint. After that, like you've mentioned, you've been through several community colleges, working with community colleges. It's going to take a process. It's going to take a lot of time to get to that return on income if you get your master's degree or your your doctorate degree and all that stuff. And I don't want to take away from the traditional school setting at all. You know, if you want to become a doctor and a lawyer and, you know, a dentist and get into STEM and stuff like that, definitely look into that. But if it's about the money and getting the money now, because that's where it's at for me, Brother Dullard. If it's about the getting the money and getting it now, not three, four, five, six years from now, 
please, 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 please look into your local community college. You said another thing, uh, Brother Dudley, that I want to point out that I'm not sure if our listeners really thought about. You mentioned Boone. You mentioned Toyota coming to our general area. We got Apple coming to Raleigh. We have Google already being built in Raleigh. My line brother, Brother Patrick, uh, congratulations on being on that project. We have four major companies coming to North Carolina in the next five years. And one problem that we have in North Carolina is we do not have enough plumbers. We do not have enough HVAC people. We do not have enough people to have the tangible skills to build homes. North Carolina is going to be a problem in the next couple years if they don't start building homes now, if they don't start training the people now. So this is an opportunity. And this is what I said to myself, brother. I don't need to be in a rush to jump out here in the job market. I got that good government job, like my grandmother say all the time. (laughs) It's not going anywhere. Not right now, at least, you know. So I have the time to continue to get the certifications. Stack them. Just stack them. Because like you said, they don't take that long. So just stack them. Because my end goal is to make an amount of money that my grandmother would be like, you you lying like a mother lover. My grandmother don't cuss. (laughs) (laughs) You make how much? (laughs) So (laughs) it's an opportunity to change my life economically that I could have a math. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. No, I just like what you said. And that is our language. Yeah, I don't know if you realize it or not, but when you said stack them, we are about stackable credentials. Mm. That is the language. Mm-hmm. And so I had to let you know that you are, that you injected a, a term that is relevant for today's worker receiving mm. and getting stackable credentials. Even if you're on the two year or four year or even master's degree path, what is in demand today is being able to show a certificate of completion of your knowledge and skill in something. Because unfortunately, what has happened again, like you said earlier, no disrespect to the traditional university, no disrespect for the higher levels of learning, but these companies and institutions have been stunk <laughs> and individuals have come out of these universities and master's programs and even some doctoral programs and they have not known how to do the basic work. All right. And so these companies, these executives, and even I think it was Dale or Google in a major announcement about a month ago said we made a mistake. We focus too much on the degreed individual. Going forward, we are going to be hyper-focused on the technical skilled, two-year degreed, credentialed, badged individual that can enter our company and be an asset, be a knowledge asset. Again, it's not how much degrees or how many degrees you have. It's what can you do in the workspace. And the technical degree is hands on. If you're, if you recall at the beginning of this segment of this podcast, I said I switched from psychology to human development and family studies as a degree in undergrad. Why did I do that? It was more tactical. 
And what I learned is that the psychology degree was too broad and it was too theory based. The human development and family studies degree involved an internship and practical application and counseling techniques. And that's what the labor market was calling for. Not a theorist, not something that required me to get a master's degree once I completed to be able to find a job. But I took my human development and family studies degree and I was instantly employable. And what we have found is that your individual coming out of a tech school that has a skill, that has a knowledge, that has a specialty, that it didn't take them four years, two years of general education and two years of application. If you think of your four year traditional college path, educational path, the first two years is general education. The last two years is applicable knowledge and focused learning. So the two-year community college experience is perfect for today's labor space. And these companies are looking for individuals that just know what to do, and we can even train them on what is needed. And like I've told individuals, there's nothing that says that you, while you're working on your two-year degree or your four-year degree, that says you can't go to a community college and get a certificate of completion in anything that you want, Okay anything that you want to need, increase your learning by getting the stackable credentials and badges, whether it's in something that is germane to your degree. So say you want to start your own business, your own, you want to be a realtor, take our construction, excuse me, our uh, course that certifies you to be a, um, a, a builder. Okay. We have an HVAC uh, course that you can take and get a certificate or a diploma. We have a basic craft skills course, construction skills course that you can take for just over a hundred dollars that teaches you all the basics of uh, home repairs. Okay. So why not get your contractor's license, which you can get at a community college while you're pursuing your aspiration of being a realtor or an entrepreneur or whatever the case may be. And so do both at one time. Don't just go down one path. So thank you, brother, for letting me inject that. No no problem, brother. And it actually gave me some time to pull up some research because this is the thesis. <laughs> so I try to I try to pull up receipts sometimes. And um I I hope that you and our listeners can entertain me for a moment. So I went to a website called Global Knowledge. First, before I read this stuff and the facts here, uh, receipts, I want to correct myself. I misquoted earlier. I am in the Amazon Web Service Program. The first step, which is the practitioner program, I want to correct myself. I don't want to misstate anything, but that's to set up what I am about to read. I actually sent this to my youngest brother a few weeks ago, brother. Uh, actual blood brother, not a fraternity brother, but um, it is the top 15 paying IT certifications, not degrees, certifications. OK, first one is Google certified professional data engineer. One hundred and seventy one thousand seven hundred and forty nine dollars. The Google course that I took last year is the first step to getting to that. Next one. Number two. Google Certified Professional Cloud Architect, $169,029. AWS 
certified solutions architect, which is where I'm going to go, Brother Dudley. Mm-hmm. Average salary, $159,033. Certified in risk and information systems, $151,995. Certified information security manager, $149,246. That's just the top five. So for an investment in some cases of maybe $1,000, like uh, Brother Dudley mentioned, you can significantly change your economic situation. Now, I don't want to count anybody money, but $171,000 is not something to be like, oh, whatever at, especially if you're talking about a, a small investment in the grand scheme of things and a small investment of time in the grand scheme of things. Please keep in mind, I am not taking you away from the traditional setting. I just want to make that comparative measure that time is time and it's all relative. If you was going to spend that time to go and get your master's degree, then you could take that same time and get a certification. Like Brother Dudley mentioned, you could get that construction certification as well as working on your real estate license and work both ends of the deal. You could flip houses and be the realtor on the house. You can get paid three different ways on that particular situation. It only makes sense in my mind, especially if you stack them like we were just talking about and you get an HVAC or a plumbing certification. The income potential is amazing. But one of the things that me and uh, brother Caldwell talked about on our episode was the stigmatism that's associated with community colleges as well as these blue collar jobs. That's the best way to say it. Glad you said that. Good good point. It's not as marketable in the dating scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, it sounds different when you say I'm an accountant or I am a nurse or I am whatever, like some STEM pathway you got there or whatever. The average accountant makes about sixty to sixty five thousand dollars. You had mentioned a truck driver. You didn't even say an owner, op- a owner operator. Right. I'm going to be honest with you, brother. At one point I was like, man, I'll go get my truck a license. I don't care <laughs> because m- money is money to me. You know, I don't right. have no ego. Right. But if the average truck driver makes sixty thousand dollars, that's just a person that's just driving the truck. Imagine how much the owner operator makes. <laughs> that's. Where the money, that's where the big buck starts rolling in. And, you know, that's a line coming to America. You know, that's right. when the big buck starts rolling in. So if we can get away from this stigmatism with community colleges, as well as this stigmatism to, well, you're a plumber. You don't make no money. You don't know how much money I make. What if I didn't get, the, I didn't even get the chance to tell you that I own the plumbing company. I didn't even get the chance to tell you that I own the electrician company. I didn't get the chance to tell you that I'm working three angles of this real estate thing, you know, so it is. What has COVID taught us? You give me these great segues and I try to try to hold it in, but I just can't. You give me these ahead, great bro. segues. And what did we learn over the last? So what have we learned over the last two or two to almost three years that there are what's called COVID proof careers? There are some careers during COVID that stopped 
There are individuals that lost their jobs. And then there are some careers that flourished during COVID. Trucks kept driving, okay? Plumbing kept being fixed. Electrical wires kept being uh, attached and connected. Homes kept being built. People kept being seen in hospitals, okay? IT continued to do its thing. We have what's called COVID-proof employee, employment opportunities and opportunities now. And that's what we're encouraging young people to pursue. Careers, and that's what has been highlighted. And that's why the, what they call the, um, the, uh, what is the, I can't remember the term of the number of people that are leaving the workforce. Uh, there are millions it's, of individuals. It's called the, the great resignation. Thank you, brother. Thank you. The great resignation that has taken place because what has happened in the last two years has been an eye-opening experience of what is really out there in careers that are fragile and careers that are COVID-proof. What we also learned, well, we used to use the term, and I think it's still used today, you had your blue-collar job and you had your white-collar career, and now you have what's called green careers, Okay. Sustainable farming, sustainable energy, the electric battery plant that Toyota is building. So there isn't really a such thing now as your blue collar, white collar, green collar. I call it the plaid collar revolution. It's the mix of all three. And the person that will be gainfully employed is the person that is able to master all three and blend all three types of workforce. Okay. Your blue collar with your white collar, with your sustainable or green career, okay? That is the person that is going to be secure in this next labor movement. Wow, brother. Uh, the collar that I'm worried about is, am I going to get paid <laughs> the amount of money that I want to get paid? I, I don't care if it's a white collar, black <laughs> collar, green collar, it doesn't matter to me. Right. But I, you I, just want to uh, pop your collar. I just want to be able to pop my collar and, and know that it's paid for. Uh, that's right. That's where I'm at. That's what I want this show to be about, because am I going to have other in, other individuals on the show that will talk about the traditional route? Absolutely. Because there are still those professions that need the traditional route. We cannot get you cannot get to being a medical doctor. Certainly. By studying on YouTube. No, can't can't do it. You know, so you, those STEM programs, accounting, becoming an, a, law, a lawyer, things of that nature, you're still going to have to go the traditional route. Certainly. But the money that is normally associated with those career paths, you can get that same type of money and another career path. That's the only uh, that's the one thing that I really want our listeners to walk away with is that we have to have a transformative mindset about. What does it really take for us to get to the lifestyle that you really want to have? You mentioned at the beginning, and I took this down as a note, will your passion support your lifestyle? And I started to learn, and I've said this several times throughout season one as well as season two as we transverse. I learned quickly, and this happened in the Google course that I took last year, I realized as well as watching the transition of COVID-19 that I had a job that I thought was a career and 
once I realized that it was really a job that people just sit at, you know, the, the reality is if you got a government job, it's a job. You made it a career because they tell you, oh, if you work here for 20 years, then you've made a career out of this. But they're not going to tell you that they're only going to give you three to five percent raises over those two, 20 years in a lot of cases. OK, so unless you continue to walk, work your way up the ladder, you know, let's not get into the semantics of that, because I'm sure people will say, well, it depends on if you got a promotion. But if you don't really get a promotion, which there's not a lot of upward mobility in government sector jobs, someone has to leave. For people that don't know how government jobs work, someone has to leave or retire for you to move up. So if they're thinking, hey, I'm going to stay here until I'm t- it's time for me to retire, what's really your upward mobility in that particular situation? Right. So once I came to that reality that me staying here, I'm not going to get to six figures anytime soon. Or I can go to the community college and get to six figures in two to three years. It was simple math to me, but I, I want to get back to some of the questions as we get to the close of this this interview. You spoke on a national trend called the Great Resignation. What are you seeing as far as national trends and local trends in North Carolina that people should really focus on? I know you mentioned boom. I know you mentioned um, construction affiliated programs, trucking. What are some other areas that you're hearing about that next thing? Like, I wish I had got into information technology 10 years ago. Thankfully, it's the trajectory for this this field is I can't even wrap my head around it. But what do you see as that next thing? You were talking about green energy and things of that nature. So me, I'm a proponent for information technology. Someone else might be a proponent for STEM or nursing or dentistry or something like that. What are you seeing? What can you throw out as far as nuggets that are for people that are like, I don't want to mess with computers. I don't want to deal with needles in the hospital or whatever the case may be. What are some of those things you you can suggest to our listeners? You know, we at GTCC and most community colleges and even universities, we not only are preparing today's uh, worker and today's student, we are thinking about today's third grader and fourth grader. We are intentionally thinking about researching and doing our best to prepare for 2030, which is seven years away, which seems like a long time, but it's really not a long time. We, when you think about that, the fact that Toyota and Boom will be in this area in three to five years, which will create job opportunities that we can't even really fathom. We're trying to understand what Toyota needs today. We're trying to wrap ourselves around what Boom Supersonic uh, will need in the next three to five years. And they're doing research on this as well because technology and what is being created moves so fast. We just know that advanced manufacturing and information technology and engineering and sustainable anything where it's sustainable energy, where it's sustainable 
manufacturing, where sustainable food consumption and production, sustainable anything is what's going to have life over the next 15 to 20 years. So whether it's green energy, green farming, green production, green waste uh, elimination, green, I think I said green energy, and anything around manufacturing towards a safer, uh, more holistic, and a greener planet is, is the movement of today, which involves technology, which involves information technology, which involves um, research, uh, which involves all of these surrounding elements of these peripheral, what we call businesses and, and employment opportunities that we can't even imagine. And so, yes, the core manufacturing element and focus of producing an electric battery at a Toyota in its core is central. But there are peripheral majors and degrees and certificates and job opportunities that we aren't even aware of. So to really prepare yourself for the next seven years I think a person focusing on the, the cores, the three cores, green anything, which is sustainable energy, waste, um, healthcare, anything that is sustainable, advanced manufacturing, which involves engineering, which involves construction, which involves management, um, and also information technology. How is this information? How is this technology herded? How is it controlled? How is it protected? How is it secured? How is it repaired? How is it maintained? And that's where Megatronics comes into play. And so I encourage your listeners to look up, which a lot of people don't know what even Megatronics is. M-E-C-H-A-Tronics. Megatronics, which is the uh, intersection of automation and in- engineering and advanced manufacturing. The ability to manufacture things, to create things in an environment that is safe for individuals, that is quick, that is efficient, okay, that will help society is where it is. And so to answer your question, it's not necessarily, I can't say this particular career, this particular major, this particular thing, but if you center yourself around the three cores, sustainable, anything, advanced manufacturing, whether it's on the management level, whether it's the manufacturing uh, component of that, and information technology, the technological piece where it is um, controlling the, how the information is gathered or fixing the hardware that is controlling the information. That's where you want to be. Um, now you might say, well, someone might say, well, I'm not really adept in mathematics or science and I'm not really interested in technology and I'm not really interested in, in manufacturing. Well, their peripheral again, uh, careers that need to help or will help a Toyota in a boom, um, uh, stay fluid. 
And that is your cores as far as HR, accounting, business, management, okay, are always going to be, uh, you know, evergreen careers and, 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 um, opportunities for individuals. So, uh, in summary, you know, land yourself somewhere in that space and the individual will be fine. But I will say in closing, keep an open mind and just continue to build on and look for the new class, the new opportunity and, and the new major that hardly no one is in, but everybody is talking about. Building off of that point, because you gave them the three pillars. Are there any online resources that you can provide our listeners to do additional research on these topics, maybe even those three pillars um, that can change their life in the next couple years? Um, because, hey, I'm willing to admit, I don't know a, a lot about green energy besides the solar panels being on your, your roof. So I want our listeners, hopefully by way of your expertise, and once again, I want to thank you for providing all of this. This is the great thing about this show is I do not think I know everything. I don't. But the reason why it seems like I'm a renaissance man to some people is because I allow myself to be poured into. Go ahead, brother. What was you going to say? Right. This space is what I encourage individuals to continue to do. Podcasts is today's or yesterday's seminar and conference. Podcast is where information, ideas, what's next is, is being shared and explained. So I encourage your listeners to find a podcast like yours, like yours, uh, maybe NPR, uh, maybe, um, um, a company, uh, maybe an individual that you respect, maybe a, a show. Get in the habit of listening to these podcasts so you can continue to be informed about what's next. Um, always going to uh, an organization's or institution's website is a great place to start. And dropping in to your local university, uh, whether it's a Carolina, a GTCC, a Wake Forest, a A&T that hosts speakers and seminars and sessions, you don't have to be a student to take advantage of uh, intellectual exchange. Okay. So I encourage your listeners to involve yourself in, in, uh, these, these lectures and seminars and speaker series and lecture series that are available online, um, that are shared online, uh, that you can also attend, uh, face to face and just be a part of the conversation. Uh, Make every opportunity and environment your classroom. And there's, I have nothing against, you know, our normal spaces of church and, you know, the club and the party and the concert have nothing against that. We all have our regular thing, but you need, we need to break ourselves out of and become a part of spaces that are untraditional and non-traditional and, and sometimes even uncomfortable. So you can be a part of the next wave. And so go to a, a speaker series at Wake Forest University or an A&T or become a part of a club or a podcast that you listen to regularly that is sharing information that is going to help you improve and grow and learn. Thank you, brother. And to add to what you mentioned, I would say 
allow yourself. See, one of the things that I heard older men talk about when I was a child is this thing called apprenticeships. Allow yourself to be mentored. Allow yourself to be uh, to become an apprenticeship or, an, you know, someone that's learning the craft. Study and show yourself approved. That's what the Bible say. Go to YouTube. It doesn't cost you anything to go to YouTube and say, you know what? He mentioned the three pillars. How about I look those three pillars up and see what the trends are? How about I go to Google and find out what the trends are? Study and show yourself approved. One of my really good friends from college had told me several years ago, hey, Brandon, I'm getting into the information technology space. I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. You know, interesting. It wasn't until he showed me how much money he was making that it became real for me. And and Charles, I appreciate you for educating me in that space, walking me through the steps in a lot of cases. I want to publicly thank you for that, brother. But as we close, if you had to give a thesis statement for this chapter, what would that thesis statement be? Might sound a little existential or more philosophical than you might expect or even want, but with every trial, there's a lesson taught, and with each lesson, a blessing brought. With every failure, there is a goal in mind, but if you stay focused on that goal, success is not far behind. That is my thesis of life. That is my thesis for success. That is my thesis of maintaining relevant in today's labor space. I don't need to add on that. I don't need to stack upon that statement, brother. I really appreciate it. Um, oftentimes we build upon things too much. Listeners, I really appreciate your time. You could be doing anything, but you chose to be with us to hear this information. Brother Dully, I appreciate your input, your support, your time. Once again, I publicly thank you for being a part of significantly changing and impacting my life and my future family's life. To my listeners, if this is your first time visiting, thank you. To our returning listeners, welcome to The Thesis, a podcast where we unlock the thoughts of time. Be encouraged. 